Grand Tours have started, and we got a treat today. We're going to talk about the Giro Week 1, the rest day, the start of Week, week 2. Tro Bro Leon gave us a little tight finish. I'm going to talk a little bit about posting up early once again. Cycling comes to NorCal, and Tom Dumoulin takes another deuce. It's Thursday, Wednesday. Between Two Wheels Podcast, episode 237. This is your host, Tyler Yonke, and welcome, everybody. Hope you've been uh, enjoying somewhat of the summertime, whatever you got going. Uh, we did a little trip to the coast this last week, did some riding. We did it Coleman Valley. It's a, a climb that goes out from um, Bodega Bay in towards um, Occidental. Uh, it was pretty interesting. I think they did the Tour of California up that uh, around there a few years ago. Uh, pretty nice riding, about 20 degrees cooler there than it was out here in the Sacramento area. Uh, either way, um, it was good to be back on the bike. Tried to shred some weight. That's not happening. Um, <laughs> fitness is climbing back up there, but the uh, so is the weight. So got to keep keep mindful of that. It's tough sometimes. I mean, you know, yeah, I, I love to eat. I'm, uh, I've turned 50 last week or so, and uh, it's. I'm feeling it only <laughs> now I'm doing fine. Uh, life's pretty good here on my side. So what did I mean by Tom Dumoulin taking a deuce? Well, Tom Dumoulin has decided to come back to the world of cycling. So once again, it's his second chance. Tom Dumoulin returned to racing at the Tour de Suisse Jumbo Rider to come back from an, his indefinite break. Started in January and the eighth um, stage race beginning in June. So he's going to do the Tour Roman uh, Tour Swiss. He returned to the Tour of Swiss in June after taking a four-month break to reassess his career, desire for life as a professional rider. And you know what? Um, I'm really glad to see this. You know, we saw this uh, with a few other riders that have decided to bow out and they just kind of stay out and there's rumors coming back. I mean, he's so young as far as, you know, a life of a cyclist. Um, super talented, obviously a world champ in the time trial, won the Giro, done well, uh, top 10, I think, last year for Jumbo. So he's obviously a writer of immense talent, just maybe a little things with COVID got him, <clears throat> I don't know, his mind twisted up there. He's had some injuries. So um, he has made the decision together with the team as he recently found the joy in cycling again. Read a short statement from the team. Tour de Suisse begins in Freudenfeld on Sunday, June 6th, and appears to be the first step in the road leading to Tokyo. There you go. So uh, Tom Dumoulin is expected to ride the time trial and the road race at the Dutch National Championships on June 16th and 20th, respectively, in order to gain selection for the Olympic Games in Tokyo later in the summer. Quote, in Switzerland, Dumoulin wants to regain the racing feeling <clears throat> after the Swiss <clears throat> excuse me, stage race. The former world time trial champion will also appear at the start of the Dutch time trial and road champion. Yeah, we saw that. It keeps going over the same, repeating the same uh, info here. Basically, he wants to come into racing back again. I think his, his whole goal there is the Olympics. Why not? Um, you got a time trial. It's not, you know, you got to train for that specifically. But maybe he was just kind of fed up with uh, a lot of the Tour de France stuff. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be on the Tour de France team still. I think Jonas Vingegaard has been doing well, so he's going to be doing that uh, with uh, Primus Roglic. I don't know what the Sepkas situation is as far as the team goes for the Tour de France. I imagine he's going to be there to help and then get some time in the Vuelta. He's had a little bit of a time off right now, so I think he's doing some uh, altitude camps. <clears throat> Either way, it's good to see... Um, Dumoulin back up in the mix 
and getting his ambition going. And I, I like that uh, a lot, even if it's just simply to kind of get him prepped for the time trial in Tokyo, the time, uh, individual time trial there. So, and I don't know what the, the Olympic um, time trial looks like. I've looked at the profile. I think the, the road race is going to be pretty good. We should be getting uh, selection teams coming up fairly shortly. I think the women sometime in June as well, the men. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Look, they had a the criteria going, and then they're going to have – they had an extra year off. So I think that criteria maybe either gets extended. I don't know. I mean, I would hope that you would be able to take into account the writing that has been done in the last – you know, several weeks or so, or last year at least, because some of these riders have really, you know, things have changed. Uh, we saw the rise of Sepkus. Um, some some of the women, the Timco, Timco women have done really well in the world tour. So it'll be interesting to see situation with that. Okay, let's talk about uh, Trobro Leon. I want to talk about that just really quick, only because the finish, um, Connor Swift gets a finish over Piet Allegart. Baptiste Plankert, I wonder if he's a Eddie uh, Plankert's son, um, Oliver Legac, Ramos Tillier, John Degenkolb, and then some other ones thrown in. So Trobo Leon, if you haven't ever heard of it, it's a, it's a race that's kind of a mix between you know, a lot of gravel and off-road. It's kind of a Perry robet meets Strada Bianca in France there, and this one didn't dis- disappoint. It was a little wet, I think, and uh, kind of nasty. Connor Swift gets off there. He looks like he's coming in for the finish and he posts up early and it's a bike throw by the other guy. You know, if, if Connor Swift isn't, isn't um, posting up early and he's throwing his bike himself, it's not even really a question. He ends up getting it in the end, but dude, why? I, I, I want to emphasize once again, I saw, I was looking at this specifically, you're seeing um, Caleb Ewing. Now, sprinters kind of know the feeling of people coming around, and they've got this, you know, how the acceleration going. Caleb Ewing, which we'll talk about, wins uh, what, two stages here at the Giro. Uh, I believe the second one, he, he won that going away. But I think even on both of those, he doesn't take his hands off the bars to post up till after the line. It's super easy. You just, they're going to get that, whether you like it or not, as far as um, right across the line, you, they'll still get your pictures. So, it was pretty impressive to see Caleb comes across, posts up, does whatever his antics want to be. Those camera shots will still get you uh, after the fact. And you've got it. You don't have to post up five feet before and risk losing out. Connor Swift gets it. Uh, good for him. Uh, Arkea Samsic rider. Uh, that's really all I wanted to say about that. You can check that race out. Uh, but it does lead us into what we have uh, that went down to today in the Giro. Now, I haven't done any prep or uh, not prep. I've done a little bit of prep. I've been watching the Giro, and I haven't done any shows on this. Took a little bit of time off. Once again, it was my birthday. I wanted to, but no, that's not the reason. I'm busy. Uh, well, and then the birthday thing, and we took some time off, doing stuff with family. It's not that I got to stop talking about the birthday because I don't really care about that. The family seemed to care, and so we had things going. We had um, sun got flown in. Anyway, just all kinds of fun activities that we were taking place. So I haven't had the time to put on a show for you all. Sorry about that. But I've been enjoying the, the Giro. Now, it would be great if I could do a daily stage recap all uh, uh, Chris Horner. And if you really want to break down, uh, you know, I'll float other uh, shows out there. Chris Horner does, to me, one of the best breakdown shows, uh, The Butterfly Effect on his YouTube channel. He's getting 20,000 um, subscribers now. He's really moving up, but he does daily recap and he does a really solid breakdown 
of the of the race and you know to to his credit he knows he knows his insides and out. i've always said that he's really good with his strategies so he even wrote a book once or you know someone wrote it with him um it'd be interesting to talk to him i know there's some um his former teammates out there maybe get me in connection with chris horner i'd like to do a conversation with him uh either way let's go to the Giro. it's been pretty interesting look you know as we know 20, 20, 21 stages. Last year was only 18. It was moved off in the year. Um, it was a little bit different. Tail Gegenhardt obviously comes in with the wind, has a lot of help with Rowan Dennis. You have Jao Hindley. You have um, Jao Almeida. Jai Hindley, Jao Almeida. You had Wilco Kelderman. So Kelderman's not there this year. You don't have Tao Gegenhardt. You don't have, um, well, you have Jai Hindley. You don't, uh, you, you have 18 stages. They're just a little bit different. You have Ineos, you don't have Ron Dennis. You have um, um, Ineos come in there with a different feel, a different group, except for Ghana, who's still an absolute workhorse. So we'll go through here, kind of talk about some of these things. It starts off with a time trial in Turin. Um, Filippo Ghana gets the win there. No surprise. You know, he's kind of coming in with uh, the. Oh, and another one that's that's out there is uh, Gronewagen came in, and I'd like to talk about that. So you get uh, first stage here, Filippo Ghana gets the win on the time trial. He's in the leader's jersey. Stage two, you end up having Tim Miller of Alpecin Phoenix getting the win. What's interesting about that one, um, you know, sprint stage, no trouble looking at, you know, the, the profile, and you see, yeah, it's pretty much going to be a sprint stage. But he gets it over uh, Giacomo Nizzolo, Ilya Viviani, Dylan Gronewagen, Peter Sagan, and, and the rest. Um, Caleb Ewing down there in 10th place. Look, Caleb Ewing doesn't have necessarily a great lead out. I guess he yelled at his boys that day. You had, um, where is the, I don't, I don't see him on here for the UAE team, um, Gaviria. He was down there a little bit. His lead out Milano actually took him in, <laughs> into the barrier. Now, what to me is interesting, if you watch that that stage two and you see every kind of all eyes are on Gronewagen, how's he, is he going to do well? He ends up getting fourth. It's a decent sprint. I think his fitness is, you know, it's, it's pretty good coming into this. At least he said his legs were perfect. But I think his you can't have the hesitations of being fearful of a sprint and being able to move yourself in gaps that you that you need to to. And you watch this race. I mean, um, uh. Caleb Ewing kind of crashes into Peter Sagan, who then kicks into, well, that was a different stage, into Miller, and there was some issues. I think that was stage three. As far as his chain goes, I think Miller ends up dropping it off there. But the point is, if these, if Grunewagen's doing any of these things that Caleb Ewing does constantly, or Peter Sagan does constantly, you would have probably an outrage, uh, especially from uh, DeCorny Quickstep uh, manager Lefevre, all up in arms about how dangerous he is once again. Uh, so I watched this one. You can tell he was a little tentative. There was people pushing him off the wheels. You're not normally going to see that with Grunewagen. He was kind of moved off, but yet he stayed up there. He had a decent sprint. He was coming on near the end. It looked fine. But I think he, in his, probably in his own mind, he's just probably tentative. He doesn't want to make a show that there's any overt actions anywhere. So he's probably a little bit, I'm, I'm fully guessing here, but I would imagine he's a little bit, when I'm watching him race it, it just looks that way. It's a little more tentative. He's not going to be doing any sudden moves. He's just a little bit more, he's on probation, okay? You can't, on probation, you don't have your civil rights. Police could come in and do a check on you anytime they want. That's kind of what it is here. He can't make a mistake because if he does, he's going to be vilified. So going away and kind of backs off on that and you didn't end up seeing a result, but you got Tim Miller of Alpes and Phoenix. He gets the win. 
Um, stage three, I'm gonna play this because this is kind of what you see. What are my chances? Not good. Yeah, Dumb and Dumber, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. This is what the breaks to me have been mm, kind of. Not good like one out of a hundred. At the zero. I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, there's a chance. And that's what we're seeing a lot of these uh, breakaways coming out. Taco Vanderhorn gets that on stage three. He gets his sh shot up the road. Um, Bora Hansgrohe decides that they're going to take this for Peter Sagan. They're working the field down because there's a few climbs in the run-up. So they end up trying to ditch some of the sprinters out by doing some work, and they came up a little short. They never did get Taco Vanderhorn. It was a Monday, not a Tuesday, but they got Taco Monday. He ends up posting up, getting the win. David Chimelay of the Israel Startup Nation, who is much like EF, is wearing a different jersey here. They're kind of a, wearing a almost a Chiclamino uh, colored jersey, um, and EF is wearing like a black jersey. So, I mean, I can see them going away from pink so they don't have confusion in the Giro. However, Taco Vanderhorn gets the win. Gets a nice little uh, post up, big guy, uh, pretty happy. He dropped the F-bomb at least two or three times in the live interview. That was solid. Uh, David Chimelay in second, and Peter Sagan, his poor hands team, just came up short. Ilya Viviani in third, and Gaviria down there in seventh place. So with that said, stage four, Piazenta to Sestola. This one was pretty epic. You had to break up the road. You ended up getting uh, uh, Joe Dombrowski on with uh, Alessandro Dimarche. They had a little break as far as a change in uh, separation in GC going into this. Joe Dombrowski and, uh, and Dimarche both have a chance of getting the uh, pink jersey. Dimarche had a better chance, but going into the last kicker with about uh, the crest with about two or so kilometers to go. Uh, Joe Dombrowski ends up dropping Dimarche. They had both bridged up to uh, the, the group that was up the road and dropped, went straight through them, ended up getting the win there for Joe Dombrowski. It was a sweet uh, day before his birthday, a little surprise, uh, wonder uh, gift for him. And uh, Dimarche gets the uh, pink jersey as he was able to salvage just 13 seconds off of Joe Dombrowski. So next day, Joe Dombrowski is in second place with Dimarche, Viverk, Attila Valter going back there, Hugh Carthy, the best of the rest at 138 uh, and such. And so that was stage four. And so once again, that kind of plays out where the break is able to stay away. They're not able to pull them back. And that's kind of a, a something that we're seeing here at the uh, tour of Italy. Okay. Stage five, we end up getting, seeing Caleb Ewing. He comes off of the Nizzolo, Elia Viviani, Sagan trains, and Gaviria coming there in fifth. Grunewagen down there in eighth, once again, just not quite there. David Chimelay uh, down there in 10th, but uh, Caleb Ewing gets the win as the post up, once again, after the line, and uh, pretty uneventful as far as anything else goes there. Look, I don't know all the details of all these races because um, it's been a few weeks now <laughs> since I've seen them all, but I thought I'd go through um, the uh, results here. Now, the next day was a little bit interesting. So Gino Mater, I remember him from Perry Nice earlier this year. He's up the road. He's going to get the win. Uh, I think it was the second to last stage of the Saturday stage there in Perinese, probably stage six. And Grun um, not Grun uh, Roglic decides to attack like in the last 1K, claws him back and 
goes through him and gets him, nips him pretty much at the line, takes the win, takes the, uh, the point bonuses. The next day, they say karma, perhaps, but Roglic ends up winning, losing that. Gino Mater, however, this day ends up staying away, gets the win. It had a nice little kick up to the finish there, a few kilometer climb. Uh, in the end, Egon Bernal, Dan Martin, Remco Evenpol, who's 21 years old, doing a first race since his, um, his, his nasty crash there in Lombardia last year. And Dan Martin, uh, Gila Ciccone has been looking good, Caruso. And the one that we saw really miss out in this day was uh, George Bennett uh, of the Jumbo team. Jumbo doesn't really have much. I mean, they have uh, Foss going up there, but uh, you saw Simon Yates. Uh, Walter ends up going into the lead. Remember, he was in the break the day before. Um, Remco, Emmapol, third place. And so you're starting to see uh, little things take place. Jai Hindley is looking to suffer a little bit, the defending second place uh, from last year. Uh, his teammate, though, Roman Bardet, looking decent in there. But really who you're looking at uh, the best here is a Bernal, who is seems to be having his back issues maybe taken care of. And he is flying high, at least up until stage six. Okay, stage seven. Get another one. Uh, sprint finish here with Caleb Ewing. This one was a little bit different. You got the uh, lead out coming from, well, once again, you got the lead out coming from uh, this was UAE team. No, I don't, I'm not sure exactly who was doing, <laughs> doing all these lead outs, but Gronewagen in seventh. Caleb Ewan got an easy win there. Um, he went around Chimile and Timulaire and some of these guys pretty harsh. Uh, that I think I'm trying to remember who it was, a rider that took off kind of early and they chased him down. And um, Caleb Ewing was able to spit himself around there. Easy win on the day for Caleb Ewing. Uh, oh, this was an important one. Go back here. Um, the day after um, Simon Yates, well, we had a few people. You had Land to crash out. Uh, his tour is over. You had, um, he had already been looking decent. You had uh, Joe Dombrowski crash out. Well, he ended up finishing, but he pulled the plug because he was, um, he, there was like a, you know, they have the splits in the road and they have the sign guy there shaking the, the flag. And he, evidently his teammate moved away at the last minute and he plowed into him. I think he had a concussion. Uh, he went home. Uh, pretty disappointing to see that for him. So we had Caleb Ewan winning. The next day we had Lefer, uh, Victor Lefer and Valters once again holding on. This was a decent climb up there to the finish. Uh, Francisco Gavizzi, uh, Nicholas Arndt almost caught them both at the at the finish there. Also, there. So once again, the break stayed away. Kampenertz is up there. The best of the rest coming in uh, a little bit later. Uh, Jalmeida and the rest at four. 48 and I don't think he saw too much of sorry, carnage goes on that stage however the next one had a little climb up to the finish some gravel we're going to start seeing how gravel is going to be effective of this uh, you have these guys early suffering and uh, the Ineos team is doing a good job pushing on to the finish they come up and and it looks like the break is going to possibly stay away but man within that last one kilometer they start to go up this gravel road and Egon Bernal Hits the afterburners. Ciccone goes with him. Vlasov is having trouble. Remco Empol ends up closing gaps. They come through his tunnel right before the last, what, one and a half K. And he said he got behind some people, had some trouble. And he was started on the back of that group and ended up having to go through. There's the gaps that are already forming. Uh, in the end, Bernal takes the pink jersey. Emco, Remco Empol, second place at 15 seconds. Vlasov third. Julia Ciccone. 
Attila Walter, Hugh Carthy, Dan Martin, Yates, Davide Formolo, Roman Bardet. We're just clicking through these nibbly down there. So within the top 10, you have, you know, within a minute uh, before they go into the rest day. And I think they went into the rest day. Which day was this here? This is May 16th. So I think we had one more day uh, following that. Now, look, I think you're coming out of that gravel in that uh, tunnel. You're going to start seeing that there's uh, issues at play and what that really means and how that's going to affect teams going forward as far as a certain team going forward because uh, it's a little foreplay of things to come portents of things to come stage 17 we had peter sagan gets the win now this is one of those days where the breaks out there um, you ended up doing everything right for Bora Hansgar. remember they had tried this earlier when they weren't able to get taco vanderhorn a week earlier uh, he's actually out in the break again. The team is chasing down, and they about 50k to go. They start really plowing it into the uh, the field there. I don't know if you can see the, the profile too much, but you got um, a cat four, and before that you have a few other lumps. And they decide to put it on, and they're going over these, and it's the speed that they end up going over that that starts spitting out um, sprinters right and left. I think Caleb Ewan had already retired. He had said he had a knee issue. He was going to quit the Giro. That's an issue. By the way, we'll just get to some of these other ones, Dad. Philip Bogana is in the pink jersey early on, and he's immediately doing work for Bernal. He's in the pink jersey. He's on the front. He's chasing, and the, the Italians freak out. He's Italian. He's got the yellow, uh, the pink jersey. They don't believe that he should be doing any of that work on the front for, his, for Bernal. Now, look. You've got Bernal, who's won the Tour de France, okay? I, I get how they want to preserve this jersey and kind of like give give it some um, you know respect in a sense, and say hey you know with this said we're going to uh, not have him on the front. But you have Bernal, who's like I said won the Tour de France. There's a good chance if his back is going well, and after we see how he's ridden here in the next few days, um, he's likely the guy that you're going to be going for. You know, looking to to obviously be on the podium, but the overall win. I mean, he could drop people, and he's one of the He's been one of the best climbers in the world uh, until he had a little back issue. So putting Ghana on the front and doing as you're supposed to, uh, you would normally do just because he has a pink jersey. Does that devoid your team from you know em employing him in the way that fashion that you feel necessary? I don't think it's a problem at all. So I think it's a little you know Cipollini coming out there. Well, Cipollini, what if you, you've never done anything on the front except for for yourself? So um, I don't think you have the best. And I was just a little deviation here. So anyway, we get Sagan in the points jersey. Caleb Ewan ends up pulling out. Next thing you know, you got Tim Belair coming off. You have, well, actually, I think you had, and he's been having some intestinal problems too, I guess. He was taking, uh, he got Dumoulinda one one race where he was uh, going to the back there a few times. Um, you've got, uh, well, Pierre Sagan's team is on the front. Uh, Chimile, remember, he's done well in some sprints. So the Israel Startup Nation starts doing some work as well. Uh, but you're getting Gronewagen pushed off the back. You're getting several sprinters uh, getting dislodged. Uh, when they come into the finish, um, UAE has uh, Madolo and they have Gaviria. He, his, his lead-out guy takes a kick on the right-hand side and actually forms a gap. Gaviria lets it go, and there's a little bend in the last 100 meters or so. And before they come to that, Sagan ends up chasing him down and gets to him and then sprints through the wind and holds off Gaviria for it. His team did all the work. He does the the finish product, and it was a wonderful day for them. It was a perfect lead out too by uh, Madolo, who 
in all intents and purposes, Milano, sorry, Milano, who looked like, you know, he was trying to lead out there for his teammate, Gaviria, and Gaviria did not take the, the right thing to do and go with him. That's a connection that they need to be on for that. What's interesting is it was perfect for Sagan or whomever because he had to close the gap. And for a sprinter coming up to a lead-out guy, that's usually not too difficult. He does a few hard moves. He gets in his speed. And then he takes a run at him. And it's it's a you know a cat and mouse or, or the leading the dog out there. And he is able to get him, pops right by him, and easily gets the win. So Peter Sagan with the win on stage 10. Well, today... We have stage 11 and it is full of gravel. It's basically a remake of the Strada Bianca. You've got 35 kilometers, I think, of gravel coming in there. And you can see that it's also, with even without gravel, it's very climby in general. Um, it was a total of 162 kilometers. So, you know, not the, not the longest race, 100 miles or so, uh, but it was decent weather. It looked a little warm, it was dusty. It was kind of like what you saw at Strada Bianca last year when it was uh, later on in the season. When Wout um, ended up winning that last year uh, before he won Milan San Remo. Remember, the calendar was all in disarray. Um, climbs got so this first gravel section you come into today, you know, 60 or so kilometers, the whole field is there and it gets strung out, and you have Filippo Ghana on the front. Now, not wearing a pink jersey, so I guess it's okay for him to do this. And he cracks the field in more than half it's a it's like a, a you know a glass vase that you just throw down on the floor and it just pieces everywhere it's kind of what you had and for the most part you had uh, the separation you always saw Bernal pink jersey top three or so right there with his team rotating through they come through this section and it is decimated you don't see Dan Martin anywhere um, you didn't see uh, uh, Remco was off the back of this thing. He had to chase back up, get some uh, to corner quick step riders with him. They were able to, to connect that through much like Hugh Carthy actually came off in that section and they only had 20 or 30 seconds and they were able to reconnect once again, coming out like 50 so kilometers. It's a long way to go to the finish with a group of like 20 and with basically Philip Ogana doing all the work. They come through, they connect, they have this thin next section here which is a big long section, big climb in the middle, and Ghana ends up doing work and then he's done. Uh, Remco connects, but he is on the back. Uh, Simon Yates is kind of on the back. Simon Yates looks better in this though. Hugh Carthy then has uh, some teammates with him. You have Giulio Ciccone, uh, Vincenzo Nibali. A break is up the road and once again, you saying there has a chance? I'm saying there's a chance. They end up staying away. Two young guys, uh, for, um, Quebeca, one guy for Quebeca ends up getting the win. But the real thing that you had here is you started to see the dislodge of um, Remco. He's on the back. When they start going downhill, he is not a Pidcock, as an example, or some of these other guys who, Bernal, Roman Bardet, you'd think, oh, this is going to have trouble. He has no trouble on the gravel sections. Once again, he's done really well at Strada Bianca. It looked like to me the key linchpin for Remco, the problematic part you had was his ability to be uh, aggressive and especially the descending part on the gravel comes off. Remember he came off that one time and he had to get a lot of move to get back up. He keeps having to expend energy to reconnect. Also he's 21. This first, he hasn't raced for a while. He had this injury. Um, he's the hope of the Belgian, but he doesn't ride like a Belgian out here. Okay. Um, 
he's had a rest day. We don't know what it's like for him to come through a Jiro and we're, you know, anything can happen. He still looked like he was working well, but he started getting popped. Next thing you know, he gets popped well, and then he has no teammates with him. Ja Almeida, his teammate, who had already had suffered a little bit more than him on some of the other climbs, they come in here saying they're joined race leaders. Now they're not going to, Almeida is going to work for him, but there's, I don't know what the communication problem is. The announcers were freaking out and, and speculating here and there. Either way, Almeida did not drop back with him You've got several times where um, Remco is just on his own, trying to work as hard as he can. Suddenly, Almeida's back there. He's helping him pull through. They're going up these climbs. He's getting popped again. It's He had spent way too much energy in this race, not sitting up in the front like Bernal. Who, by the way, Bernal's now you know, lost Ghana, but he's got Moscon. He's got Narvez, I think, with him, and he is just on form and blowing it out. Coming to the last climb, and the EF education team starts putting it down. Uh, they start spitting out Giacconi. They spit out uh, Vincenzo Nibali. Next thing you know, Roman Bardet is gone. Then it's Simon Yates is out. Bachman of the Bora Hansgrohe team attacks up the climb. EF is still going. He's still getting a gap. They come near the top of the climb. Suddenly, Carthy's having trouble. Uh, Bernal attacks. He catches up to Bachman. Those two go in. He outsprints Bachman. Uh, he being Bernal because the finish had a little kick up to it. Remember back 2010, I think this is the same course that um, Caleb Ewing, sorry, um, Cadell Evans had won on with this, you know, the rainbow jersey, really dust or wet day that was and muddy, epic day out in the Giro. This uh, dry one, Bernal ends up coming in, I think third place. We'll look at the results here. And you had Bachman coming with him. Then there was a gap. Uh, to some of the other riders, Hugh Carthy has just a little trouble near the end. Uh, two minutes for Remco Evenepoel. And remember, at some point, if they have this final time trial, which is like 20-some kilometers, uh, Bernal's going to need a little bit of a gap. So on the day, Mario Schmid, Team Quebeca Assos, gets the win. One second over Alessandro Covey of TUAE Emirates. Then Harm Van Hauk of the Laudo Sudol. Dries Debant of Alpes and Phoenix. Simon Guglielme of Groupama. So I was wrong about the placings because there was a bunch of uh, stragglers there from the break. Enrico Bataglin, uh, Roger Klug, Francesco Gavizzi, Taco Vanderhorn, Lawrence Nason, and then we get the Egon Bernal. This is the GC ones now. Egon Bernal comes in 309 back. Uh, Emmanuel Bachmann, 312. Vlasov, Damiano Crusoe, Simon Yates, 335. So he ends up recovering a little bit there. Ruben Guerrero, Q Carthy, 341. Uh, but the real uh, Mark Soler, yeah, he spit himself out as well. He did a little attack and then had some trouble. Remco, Evan, and Pole, 517. Now, what I am going to look at is uh, to see where Dan Martin ended up on the day. Dan Martin comes in 40th place, 923 back. That is basically his tour probably done and dusted. Um, that's at least not very good. Bernal now leads it by 45 seconds over Vlasov. Crusoe in 112. and Carthy, 117. He's still in it. And remember, this is not the Hugh Carthy of 2019. It's progression for him. 2019, he comes in here, gets 11th in the Giro, kind of just hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, doing what he can. He and um, uh, Joe Dombrowski teammates, they were 11 and 12th that year. Then he goes into 2020, does the Vuelta, gets third. And he was an impressive third. Remember the last day where he was actually uh, kind of out climbing 
uh, Roglic. So um, very impressive for him on the day, staying up there. You know, the gravel is just a, a, a unique thing, and you're not really seeing um, – you didn't see much of an impressed ride by Remco. So it looked like he had trouble. It's probably something he'd have to work on. That's a lot of gravel, though. That's a lot of gravel they did and some climbing in there. So any of those times you're trying to – up here in uh, Northern California, we have Pascenta and it's like a four and a half mile slog on the gravel. And if you're not connected and you're doing some chasing, that stretch drains you. And you can imagine 35 kilometers of racing on the gravel out of 160 uh, with the climbing that they did. Um, and he had to do a lot of work to catch back up, especially when Ghana and these others are on the front. So that's what we have for the Giro right now. Um, the next few weeks though, it's going to be an interesting, um, take a look at some of the climbs here because they do, they, they start to head into, you know, the Dolomites and with that, they're going to end up hitting some of these big climbs. Uh, we go up Mont Zocalon, which is probably the, uh, the most famous, well, the most famous one that I think they'll do this year, which is coming up here, um, on stage 14 so next saturday saturday sunday sunday is not as big a deal so as far as next weekend goes um you're going to at least have a good one for the saturday zonkalon it's about 15 or so k up to the top it gets really nasty and um it should be pretty fun for us to watch so i'm looking forward to that however saturday here in California, we are going to be doing bike racing ourselves. We've got some races coming up. Uh, Sierra Nevada team is putting on a race, the Folsom Classic Criterium. Today's Wednesday, so Reg, I think, closes tomorrow. And we'll look at registration because it's starting to fill up pretty heavily. Um, if you go to their website, SierraNevadaRacing.com, under the races section, you can see the Strava segment. Now, look, it goes in a circle, a little bit of a bean look to it there. Uh, so it's not that complicated. Do you need, do you need the Strava segment? Probably not. It gains about a hundred feet or so a lap. Maybe not even that would it start to 20 feet. Yeah. What am I saying? hundred, it's like 20 feet or so, uh, five feet elevation says, okay, well, it's not much either way. Go check it out. It's the 22nd and let's take a registration. So some of these races are already sold out, which is really good to see. You've got, um, Elite Fords, looks like it's hit the field limit. At least it's not, I'm not sure what this is. Uh, if this means the field limit here is how many they've already had registered. Well, maybe we should go to the registered numbers, but let's look at the first. The elites go in the morning. Uh, Fords, Novice, Novice has a wait list. Uh, women's four, three, four, Novice at 850. Three fours, three fours, and then we got the Masters three fours. Sold out, it says. Closed, sold out. Okay, so it's sold out over here. Sold out for the 35 plus three fours at 940. 35 plus three four wait list is there. It's closed as well. They've had enough. The 45s at 1035. I will be doing that one. The 55s at 12. This Masters 60s at 12. So they're combining those. 35 plus one, two, three at 1255. I will be doing that as well. Uh, elite two three at one fifty five, the women's P one two at three oh five, and then the elite P one two three at four oh five. I may do that one. Still debating whether to sign up for that one or not. I guess I have a, a day or so. So we can at least see the registration here. Like you said, these are sold at seventy one entries for the elite fours. Good to have that. Um, Ten on the wait list. 
women's three fours still looks like we could get some more women in there um unless they're doing a joint race with the others masters 35 36 uh 40 in the one two threes 45s uh, i think that might be a 50 minute person limit so we're we're pushing up against that already 56 and 35 one two threes that must be uh right out in the limit there maybe it's 70 for that one 24 for the two threes the women one two threes 10 entries come on women we can do better than that and 34 for the p one two threes we can still do better than that as well see who we've got here from the teams bear national Tarun is coming out ride bikes bro i think they may have probably the big team i mean we get them uh some team california riders um pete's ride bikes bros once again Tarun, 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 good performance bikes i think it's a main team um team california u23 ride bikes bros team cliff bar ryan we good to see all right so for that i think we'll we'll, we'll join up um upcoming we have the rest of the giro so be looking for that uh, i hope everyone can uh, check that out it's always one of my favorite races some of the terrain is the best you just see a difference in gc you see a different kind of riding today you saw ineos on the attack early i mean in um Bernal going from you know quite a ways out going with uh, bachman um, putting his team on the front and decimating that was like what you would see the belgians do in um Paris robay it's quite fantastic to watch uh, it's just a different type of racing and i can't wait for the mont zonclon and some of the other ones again the ride of the day to egan Bernal. uh just truly amazing uh you know you never know what remco is going to do he's young right he may come in he, he could not surprise you by winning the whole thing he could not surprise you by bailing out um, he hung in there today and only losing two minutes for being off the back there for the last, what, 15, 20 K <clears throat> having one teammate to help him. Um, I think it shows that he is, uh, fitness wasn't the issue today. It was the bike handling. It was staying with the group. It was not getting on the back foot on the gravel. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, give us your impressions of the race so far, everybody. And then we'll hopefully see you out at uh, Folsom. Look, they have on their thing, look on their website about uh restrictions um i guess masks everywhere uh possible because you can get covid outside um it's not their fault it's the licensing people that are saying you can do this <clears throat> they also said uh, no fans are allowed don't bring your fans or family have you had a, have you gone to any of these norcal races and been concerned about too many fans or family being there um, I made the mention. I, I think that note has been on the on the race flyer for at least the last five years. Been to these races. Oh well, so we have between two wheels podcast. This is episode two hundred and thirty-seven. People, check us out. Give us a like. We're on Odyssey as well. Odyssey.com. Everywhere else you can find the podcast. I would hope you can share it. See ya. Good luck at the race. <laughs>